today is the power and possibilities of presence. And our reading for today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, the birth of Jesus Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning to you all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've just heard how through the Holy Spirit, you planted a seed into the womb of Mary, and that seed grew and gave birth to Jesus. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that through your word now, you plant seeds of hope, faith, deep trust, confidence and assurance into our hearts and lives so that we may live with our heads held high, knowing, God, that you are Emmanuel with us always. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Emmanuel is an old-fashioned Hebrew word, and it simply means God with us. You could say that Emmanuel is the, the message of Christmas. In one word, we've been singing about it this morning. Emmanuel, God with us. Not God alongside of us, not God above us, not God around us, not God over there, not God watching from a distance, not God tut-tutting and saying, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I wish they would clean up their act and be a bit more holy and righteous. No, it's just very simple, God with us. It's, it's the gospel in one word. And it's a powerful theme right throughout Scripture. In Exodus chapter 33, with the Israelites having been delivered from slavery, they're now in the wilderness and Moses is up the mountain with God, and God is saying, I want you to lead them forward. And Moses goes, he cracks a bargain with God. And this is the bargain he, he, he makes with God. He says, God, I will not go unless I have your presence. Isn't that just amazing? How full of hope and possibilities is that for you? when you sense God inviting you to something, when you sense him 
leading you in a change of direction, when you sense that you're being convicted of something, God, I will not be in this unless you are present in it. And then God answers Moses and he says, you will have my presence and it will lead you to rest. Not rest as in having a snooze, but there will be a sense of peace. There will be a sense of ease. There will be a sense of rightness because you're not doing this on your Pat Malone. You're not doing it because you had a bright idea one day. You're doing it because it's God with you in the midst of it. One of the other themes of Scripture is that we have God as a father, which means we're not fatherless. We're not orphans. And if you're not orphans, it means that you have his presence. He's a faithful. The difference between a father and a mentor, the difference between a father and a teacher, the difference between a father and an instructor is that all the latters leave you, but a father is with you forever. You know, a driving instructor, they get to go home. Probably have a few stiff drinks after a day driving instructing. You know, a coach, they get to go and hang out with other people who are their companions. But a father is someone who is loyal and faithful with you through thick and thin. And remember, God is a perfect heavenly father. And so one of the themes of scripture is that you're not just a church member, you're not an attender, you're not just a believer, but you are a son, you are a daughter, and he is a father, which means you have his presence. Another theme of scripture is that God is a covenant-making God. He made a covenant with Abraham. He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. He made a covenant with Noah and the rainbow. He says, I'm going to be with you. Never again will there be a disaster like this. He made a covenant with David. And, and each of those people were far from perfect because the covenant wasn't based in their goodness. The covenant wasn't based in their accomplishments, but the covenant was based in the faithful God who says, I'm going to be with you. And it repeats in the New Testament with Zacchaeus, with the woman at the well, with the disciples, that despite your failures, despite your track record, God comes and immerses himself with you. One of my favorite examples of this is in Luke, I think it's 23, where just before his suffering and death, at the Last Supper, Jesus says to his disciples, I have eagerly desired to share this meal with you. Now, he doesn't say, I've eagerly desired to share this meal with you. Oh, except for you, Peter, because you're about to deny me. Oh, and except for you, Judas, because you're about to betray me. Oh, and except for you other 10, because you're about to run off and leave me. No, he knows exactly what's going to happen. And yet he says, I've eagerly desired to share this meal with you. And so God is present with you despite your failings. And next we see that, that God is with you in your difficult situations. I mean, can you imagine a more difficult situation than jo Joseph was in? Uh, your fiancé is pregnant. You know you haven't had sexual relations with you because I'm sure you'd remember something like that. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden an angel comes and says, uh, Mary's pregnant. Joseph's in a right pickle. <laughs> And God comes and says, it's going to work out, Joseph. Trust me, in the long term, it's going to work out. I will be with you in this. And so the sign that he has given is the sign from Isaiah chapter 7, Emmanuel, Joseph, I'm with you. 
And so whatever pickle you are in, whatever awkward situation you are in, just remember, God is with you. He sees the long-term picture. He's got long-range eyesight. He's not only the author of the beginning, but he's the author of the end. So God is with you despite yourself. He's with you as a loving father. He's with you in your awkward situations. And he's with you in your dead-end situations. This, this phrase, Emmanuel, God with us, first appears in Isaiah chapter 7, and Ahaz, the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, well, he's in an awkward dead-end situation. Israel, the northern kingdom, has made an alliance with Syria, and Israel and Syria are going to come against Ahaz and the southern kingdom of Judah. And then God sends Isaiah, the prophet, to Ahaz to say, those two nations, they're just burned out lumps of coal. They're just smouldering embers. What? You see them as strong trees, but God says, I see them as burning embers. They've had their day. What I'm going to do, God says, is I'm going to get the king of Assyria and he is going to come and he's going to fight a battle against the northern kingdom of Israel and Syria and all you have to do is sit and watch. Can you do that, Ahaz? Ahaz, can you sit and do nothing while I work this out for you? Oh, oh, and Ahaz, here's a sign. A young lady who is currently a virgin is going to become pregnant and she's going to have a child, just something very natural, and by the time that child is of a certain age, all of this will have taken place. And if I was Ahaz, I would have been going, what sign is that? And you know what it's a sign of? It's a sign that in the ordinariness of life, we get to sit back and watch God go at work in the situations that are a dead end. But you know, not only Ahaz, but all of us, we want to jump in because it's not happening quickly enough or it's not happening in the way we would like it to happen. And so we actually step outside of the promise of God being with us by saying, God, you're not actually doing it the way I want you to do it. You're not doing it the way I think it should be done. And so we actually bring difficulty, difficulties on ourselves uh, due to a lack of trust. But the simplicity of the promise of God with us is powerful. What, what happens with presence? A few things. Firstly, presence changes your outlook. Can you imagine Ahaz... Okay, I got the might of the, of the um, Assyrian army, uh, the Persians coming down. What, what am I going to do? And I've got these guys over here. And then God gives them this, this message, I'm with you. Trust, I'm with you. And all of a sudden his outlook's different. I'm sure he sleeps a bit better at night. <laughs> I'm sure as he trusts, he thinks, well, my outlook is different and... There are now possibilities rather than disaster. You know, since I left here in 2009, I've travelled an awful lot. And uh, I'm a bit of a sissy. I don't like travelling by myself. And when I travel with Julie, my wife, everything is different. You know, I can be away for the same length of time 
And when I'm by myself, from the very first night, I'm counting the nights till I get back home. And when I'm with her, I'm thinking, well, while we're over in Africa, we may as well go to Europe or somewhere else, you know. I don't care when I get home because I'm home because she's with me. You know, presence opens you up to a a different set of possibilities. Uh, You know I do a lot of jogging. In in fact, just yesterday, hey, I was an answer to prayer yesterday. Uh, So I do this thing called park run. And uh, with about one kilometre to go, I always pass this bloke, looks like me, haircut like me, wears a Ronaldo uh, Manchester United T-shirt. And yesterday we got talking and uh, I found out he's the pastor of a church around the corner in Mount Barker. And so we've arranged to have coffee uh, next month and he said to me just this morning I was praying for a divine appointment today and I said well here I am <laughs> and you know here's the point just like that we were at the finish line and I said when did that happen you know why because I was with someone when you go jogging and you're by yourself it's really I'm, I'm only up to here <laughs> or when you go on a, on a road trip by yourself really we're only at Murray Bridge I thought we were at Melbourne already. No, 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 no. But when you're with someone, you can't imagine how time goes. Uh, my wife loves gardening and her, her love language is quality time. And so she says, just, just, just go and get your coffee. Just come and sit out here. I promise you, I won't ask questions. You don't have to talk. Just, just be here. You know, that's presence. Presence opens you up to possibilities that life is different. It means you're not an orphan. It means you are a child of God. Uh, just during this last week, I, I rang one of the um, family members here, Gary Schwartz, and uh, I prayed over him on the phone. And he said, uh, he said, Peter, at the end of the prayer, he said, Peter, I'm so blessed. I said, well, Gary, can you tell me how that is with your cancer? And he says, well, I'm so blessed because, well, you've rung me. And he said, uh, and I've got a wife who's looking after me. He says, but mostly... He says, I'm blessed because Jesus is with me. You know, the outcome's not rosy for Gary from a physical point of view, but from a spiritual point of view. He just said, I've never been more refreshed. That's the power and possibility of presence. Secondly, presence means you get to sit where Jesus sits. Now, I just about deleted this point yesterday but I kept it in because every time I've gone out and exercised this week, the phrase has come into my mind again and again and again, Jesus sits. What do I mean? In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, I won't read it word for word, but basically it says this, when Jesus had made atonement for our sins, when he had paid the price, it says Jesus went and sit, sat himself at the right hand of the Father. Okay? Job done. Glorification has happened. Now I'm sitting. And what the Holy Spirit has been asking me this week is, Peter, why should you stand and strive and run and run and work and work and effort and effort and effort when Jesus himself sits? Why should you struggle with guilt again and again and again? Accuse yourself of this, accuse yourself of that when Jesus sits. In other words, many of us are doing life as if Jesus isn't with us. Hebrews 10 says he has paid for sin. And this was brought about by a conversation that I had with someone recently who went to a very, very, very strict Catholic school. 
this guy's uh, in his mid-70s, and we were at a little Christmas gathering in our neighbourhood, and before he told me this story, he said to me, look, I'm sorry to have to say this, Peter, but much of your Christianity is about guilt. And I said, you don't have to be sorry to say what I already know. And I said, you know, you know I write books. Most of, the, most of the books I write are saying that it's not about that. And he said, I remember uh, going into the... Um, into, I'm just realising, got to be careful of names, going, going into the, the father's office, the principal's office, and he said, Smith, gambling. And I said, sorry, father? And he said, gambling, Smith. And he says, not, not, not me, father. He says, yes, gambling, gambling, Smith. No, no, father, not me. He says, no, not you, Smith, the staff. He goes, the staff are gambling, father? He goes, yes, gambling, gambling, Smith, about you. Father, are you saying the staff are gambling about me? Yes, gambling, you won't make it through first term. <laughs> now, he told me that, and we both had a chuckle, and then he had a look of sadness in his eyes. Because he said, that's the Christianity I, brought, I was brought up with. And he said, guilt. And I shared this story at Birdwood last Sunday, and one bloke came up to me and he said, not only in that uh, denomination, Peter, he said, I know, I know many a good Lutheran boy who got the strap because he couldn't uh, remember the third article of the creed off by heart. What does Jesus do? Jesus sits. And he says, it's all been done. I've carried it. I've paid for it. It's finished. It's completed. I have been raised from the dead. I am ascended. I am at the right hand of the Father. It's all been done. I am with you. You don't have to do what I've already done for you. I'm with you and I'm in it. So please, and here's his invitation, please sit with me. Don't work for me, but sit with me. That's the power and possibility of presence. Thirdly, it's, life's, life's better when you know that because he's with you, you can be with others. In Nehemiah chapter 3, Nehemiah is uh, an Old Testament dude who was in exile in Babylon and then was uh, asked by the Holy Spirit to come back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem with a remnant. And in chapter 3, it's a whole chapter where it just says, you know, the, the millers were next to the stikies and the stikies were next to the cocks and the cocks were next to the, the schmitkies and uh, the schmitkies were next to the turners. You know, there's this little phrase next to and you can just picture as they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, the whole city was surrounded by artisans who had been brought back. And if I was on this side of the wall, I didn't have a clue who was working on the other side of the wall, but that didn't matter because I was next to the millers and I was next to the cocks. So as long as I knew the cocks and as long as I knew the millers, they had my back and I had their back. They had some, uh, they had some sausages on the barbecue and I had some chops on the barbecue. And so we were next to someone. Someone was with us and I was with someone. I wasn't with everyone, but I was with someone. And sometimes in Christian communities, we think, oh, we should know everyone. Well, you don't have to know everyone as long as you know that someone is with you. Because God is with us, we are empowered and released to be with others to be alongside of others, to be in the world. You know, with that, there's support, there's protection, there's encouragement, there's consolation, there's community. And so I encourage you in a, in a congregation like this, you don't have to know everyone, but to know one or two. 
And uh, rather than knowing one or two and waiting, well, where are the one or two ringing me? Well, you become the one or two and ring them. Because God with us is all about initiative. And it's about initiative taking. And you can do that. You can take the initiative. You can bring the gift of presence. You know, when someone is going through a storm, your presence is enough. And presence and silence go hand in hand. Presence isn't about a lot of words. Presence isn't about the right words. Presence isn't necessarily about words. Presence is about the gift of you. And you think, well, you know, what about the gift of me? We'll go back to point one. You're a daughter, you're a son, which means you're a joint heir with Jesus, which means you carry him to others with you. And finally, the presence is a person. The presence is Jesus. And Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And so you have presence wherever you go. That's why when you're with someone, it's not about your words. And so none of us ever need to say, oh, look, I couldn't do that because I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read. I don't know how to preach. You just sit with someone, have a cup of tea, and be. Heavenly Father, we thank you that through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, you are with us, Emmanuel, among us. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, afresh this Christmas, inside of us. We receive you now afresh, Emmanuel, Holy Spirit, to rekindle faith and love and hope and joy. In the name of Jesus, who is faith and hope and love and joy. Amen. And we stand and sing.